Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're coming to you for a special Zoom episode. Yeah. Zoom. Does anybody yeah. even know what that means? We're Zoom. Zoomerific. <laughs> I remember Zoom Zoom Zoom, which was a, a show back in the 70s. I remember Zumba. <laughs> so Zoom 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 had uh they would wear these stripy shirts on Zoom Zoom Zoom. Anyone who's like listening to the 70s, like, oh my gosh, you did not. It's like Johnny Sacco and his amazing robot. Like, and when you were striped kids is is a or striped shirts as a kid, people were like, oh, zoom, zoom, zoom. So, but yeah, that was another lifetime ago. Yep. Yep. So we're on Zoom and I'm on my front porch. Lily, do you know why I'm on my front porch, Pete Mitchell? Probably because your office is in shambles. Uh well, yes, that's why I'm home, but it, it gets worse. Um you know, like that progression in Philippians where it says, and he humbled himself taking on, you know, uh, the form of a servant. I, I have to say this. This was funny. Uh, Andrew and I are like the worst hecklers. I'm totally interrupting my own story. But the other night we're at this Christmas thing at the Christian school. And um, the, the it's so funny. You, you'll appreciate this because of Dan Sams. You do the podcast with these highly theological. My wife is astute. Like she's got a theological mind. She's got a philosophical mind. She's smart, but we're sitting there and, and this lady's praying about the nativity. And she goes, and Lord, thank you for taking on the form of a baby. <laughs> and she go under breath, form of a baby. <laughs> and I, and, and because we're in this thing and it's like, all oh, your kids are performing and there's all these parents around you. And I, I whisper, Lord, thank you for shape-shifting for us. 
because theologically, like he didn't take on the form of a baby, right? Like he didn't shape shift. He literally became a baby. Like he was fully human and fully God. But anyways, it, it was, it was bad all night. I kept making my wife laugh and she kept going, stop it. People's kids are performing. I kept heckling under my breath. So, uh, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to heckle. I know. Right. I'm heckles. And, and, and so, uh, anyways, but I'm speaking of heckling. That's why I've been kicked out. Um, I heckle, uh, when calls the heart, which I call when, when rips the fart because my 10 year old is sick. I have no idea what that is, what you're talking about. So it's, it's like if you got a bunch of pretty people and you dressed them like Canadian Mounties and Cowboys and put them in a TV show. And it was like a mining town. And it was all about like women about to get married, but they never get married. I have never seen an episode. So I'm pretty sure I'm wrong on this, but I've walked through the room so many times and I, I constantly mock it. And I was chastised this morning for mocking it. I was told you can't, you can't, walk through and mock it. So I've been kicked out to the front porch because my daughter's homesick. They're watching wind rips the fart and I'm not allowed to heckle it. Plus it's loud in the background. So I'm on the front porch, but uh, what's funny is I know my work is done. You, you know what I really want right now is I should probably take a screenshot of the two of us, you with your sunglasses on me with my readers on. And for people oh. who don't know what we look like, have them guess who's who. And I'd be willing to bet everyone thinks I'm the serious pastor right now and you're Pete Mitchell. That's funny. You know what? I, I often wonder if people listening to the podcast think your voice is me and my voice is you. Do you I'm ever wonder saying. that? I'm I always wonder that. Yeah. I'm dead. Because uh, in, the, in the beginning, like no one knew which one was which. So they'd be like, yeah, the one guy. You remember that one time they're like, the one guy, he kind of sort of gets it. it oh, dude, covering. no, that lady was like, that one guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And the other guy, he kind of gets it. <laughs> that guy doesn't remember get what it episode at all. that was. I remember uh -huh. what the topic. Yep. Me too. Me yep. too. So funny. So, uh, yeah. So What's funny to me too is I, I, like in my own life, we've done what, 300? I think this is like 340 episodes. I think that's yeah. what today's is. Okay, so 340 episodes. If you don't think that my opinions have changed over being exposed to you for 340 <laughs> hours. <laughs> like, and, and it's funny to me because I'm like, we are as a society, we are so unforgiving of anything you did, you know, 10 years ago. Oh, you right. said this in a tweet 10 years ago. I'm like, first of all, you listen to all these episodes. You're going to hear me say stuff that today I cringe at. Like, and it's been the opposite for me. The further the show goes on, the more I say things that I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> well, but again, that's because of 340 hours with me. With you. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, now that you say it that way. <laughs> so, I mean, in the beginning, it was always Pete getting the hate mail. And uh, nowadays, it's, it's, it's me that says the wrong things. Well, we just stopped giving out my email address. So. Woo! Oh, in stereo, live and in concert. Dude, now I can see, you know, I, I think I might show the video of this on the Church Planner uh, Facebook page. So oh, people totally, can see dude. the train in the background. You know what? And in, in, it's not just uh, live, it's Memorex. No, it's live, actually. Hey, so what's new in your life? What's going on? What's, what's a good smack talk? Oh, by the way, guys, uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, business and ministry 
on this episode, but uh, <coughs> this is what we like to call Smack Talk. This is when Peyton and I basically catch up on each other's lives. As we like to say, this is how we do friendship. If it wasn't for this, I, I don't even remember the last time I physically saw you, like face-to-face. I know. We got to remedy you. that soon. I'm in this black hole of just writing this textbook right now. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm on my front porch recording a podcast. You know, this is my life right now. It's, it's nothing's, I, I'm like in this hobbit hole. I have people email me, dude, did you get my email? And I'm like, yes, but I don't answer email right now. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm out, right? I'm just, I'm tapped out. I'm, I'm yeah. writing a book. I'm like, I'm like one note Charlie on my saxophone. I, I play it. one note, church planning textbook. That's it. I get it, man. I do. So, but not, not nothing. I mean, other than heckling my child's uh, nativity play, um, yeah, I don't think much has been going on. I think I'm stuck in that hole. In fact, tonight is date night, and the wife and I are going on a writing date because my wife is also a writer. So we're just gonna pick like oh, you, write writing. writing. I thought you said writing like you're on a couple of bikes, beach cruisers. Down oh by no, the ocean. see now that would be fun, but you know this is what normal people do. But uh, at this phase of my life, we're gonna pick a spot. I tried to get her to go to the Irish pub and get curry fries and beer, and she said no because they'll kick us out. They won't like us bringing our laptops to the pub, and I think she had a point. So Dude, I'm telling you, man, I have not had a beer since like <laughs> March or April, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I would have been able to say I'd not had a beer for a long time had I still been working for Nam. You're drinking for two. Let's just leave it like that. <laughs> Making up for lost time. No, actually, I'm not drinking that much because I'm trying to get in shape. So that is kind of, I'm doing T25. You ever done T25? Dude, there's no way I would, like, that's work. That, that looks painful oh to me. So I talk back to the TV. Right. It's like if, if Tozer wrote that book I, or R.A. Torrey, I talked back to the devil. That was a famous book he had. I talked back to Sean T. So he's kicking the crap out. I'm like, he's like, okay, I know you're dying. You got to do this now. And I'm like, I'm, I'm over there going, you're crazy. You asked the impossible like Luke, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and he's my Yoda of fitness, you know, that's just why you fail, you know, all that. By the way, baby Yoda, I want that video of anyone out there who makes videos. I want that video where uh, the Mandalorian and Yoda are in the cockpit and he keeps turning on the, the, the button that makes a noise. I want you guys to have baby Yoda keep turning on this podcast. And then the Mandalorian keeps turning it off back and forth, back and forth. Right. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> that great. Or, or, or Baby Yoda's turning on Church Planner Podcast and Mandalorian switching it to Enter the Dojo. Oh, that'd be great. And it's, oh, it's even better. back and forth even between better. those two. Even better. And then we can make one for you and uh, Concealment Podcast. <laughs> Barry, Barry, where are you, Barry? Come on, Barry. Barry! You know, my neighbors are going, what in the heck is Jonesy doing on his front porch? Hey, I want to know what your neighbors are doing home at 922 in the morning. They should be at work. Get out there and work. They all stopped working ages ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, explosions in the background. What's that? Camp Pendleton. I can't hear anything. Do you hear that? No. You can't hear that? 
Sounds nope. like thunder. Yeah, nope. they're shooting all kinds of shells and crap. What? Oh! I need to be back there. That's my home. That's where I need to be. Yeah, man. Yeah, they're shooting off all kinds of mortars. And- Dude, speaking of shooting off, I have got uh, a training tonight, and uh, that's going to be handgun. so I don't know. If we're doing stuff downrange for that. But here's the one I'm looking forward to. December 27th. I'm in a, a handgun competition. Now, these are the guys that, if I make it in the top 50%, is a good day. Nice. I signed up for two registrations because I am con- uh, competing with PCC, which stands for Pistol Caliber Carabine and Handgun. I'm looking wow. forward to that one. Wow. So I'll That's be shooting cool, my handgun, my, my Glock 34, and I'll be shooting my uh, Ruger PCC. So Wow. Nice, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it a lot. Petey going to wow. go shooting. That's cool. Yeah. You know, uh, one of these days I think I will, I told Andrew, I want to, um, kind of get into it as something fun for us to do as a couple. And, uh, and she was open. She's like, Oh, that sounds good. She, you know, we don't, we don't own firearms, but it, it just seems when like, can it I be- take you to the gun store? <laughs> <laughs> Let me be your personal shopper. Let me show you. Oh, and this, Oh, how does it feel in the hand? Now pull that slide back. Rack it. Rack it. I don't think that's how it works. Pete. It will be when we go jumping. I think the gun picks you. Ooh, this podcast I, keeps getting better and better. Am I on the wrong podcast or what? And <laughs> <laughs> so Sam's, you're out. Peyton Jones, you're in. <laughs> Bringing prophetic insight to the uh, From Concealment podcast. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> if it were possible, I'd say I love you more, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's it i'm moving to oceanside that's all there is come to on. it oh come on but it is hotter down here pete it's like two degrees hotter down here i would have no, a actually it's cool the gun range did you know i don't know why that is but it's actually a little bit cooler here normally well you're closer to the ocean than i am yeah that's true that's probably what it is probably so so yeah so uh what about your life man what's going on in your life dude man uh all i can say is the uh, health journey continues to astound I know. Every time I see you when we get on a video call, I'm like, dude, you're sexy. Because normally, uh, sexier, I should say. Normally, uh, yeah. No- normally, we're doing that other, oh, guys, sorry about our audio, right? Like our audio has yeah. been conking out. I so honestly don't know that they'll know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The audio. Yeah, 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 yeah. The past That could episodes. be my computer. It could be my internet connection. I, you know, the thing is, they said it was my mic more than yours. Oh. And I don't know why, but, you know, huh. whatever. Well, I did notice my mic was overriding yours, which that shouldn't have. Always your mic is overridden mine, but mine was muting you slightly and mine was more dominant, which is kind of unusual. It could have been too how I was recording. Unfortunately, I upgraded my computer to Catalina and that has screwed up all the programs. So Uh, I don't have the typical programs. I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Right. You can't hear all this boom, boom. No, I wish I could. Wow. It's huge, dude. Like I'm, I'm like, what are they doing over there? I think they're blowing up the mountain. Dude, all I know is if the boogaloo happens, you're in a good place. <laughs> or I'm in a target-rich environment. Well, I'm just saying, you're going to have some, some backup. Yeah, baby. Call my boys in. Call your boys. <laughs> See, so, that's uh, why you should have been the Armley Chaplain. Now you got nothing. Now they're going to be like, ah, I don't, I don't know who he is. Yeah, he's dead to me. Yeah. So, uh. Yeah. So, I mean, tell me about the fitness journey. What's going on? 
Dude, no, down to 80 pounds uh, as of today. Uh, so cool, dude. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Still, you know, still got a, a ways to go. I mean, I'm not by any means there yet. Not even close, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, you know, what can I say, man? That's that's going well. Uh, what's your target? Like, what's your goal? So you're at 80. What? How much further? Do you, do you measure it by pounds or are you going by like? Well, here's the thing. My ultimate goal is to weigh probably 200, but I'm going to have to lose. Like right now, I'm at 215. I got to lose probably another 25 to 30 pounds, and then I'm going to have to gain, you know, 10, 15 pounds of muscle to, to get in at my, my ideal weight. Uh, so, yeah, it's... So it is weight, but it is more of the, you know, body fat percentage, I'd say, right? That's, that's more of what it is. So yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still far off. I'm still months away, months away. Because when I go to the, when you go, you know this, right? When you're losing weight, it's really hard to gain muscle because you're in a calorie deficit when you're losing fat. Right. And your body needs extra calories. It needs basically a lot of protein so it can build the muscle. I mean, it needs a lot of it to build muscle. So, you know, when you're in a calorie deficit, it is very difficult to add muscle. Um, if not impossible, it really kind of depends on your genetics. Some people genetically are gifted that way. Uh, the average person is, is not. Hmm. So, you know, I got to, you know, lose the, the fat first and then I'll be able to work and add the muscle. So, so I'm still, you know, months away because when I go into the, the muscle building phase, I mean, that's going to take longer than it took to lose fat. Only not uh, longer as far as months, but longer as far as like to gain five pounds of muscle means a lot of working out, eating. <sighs> well, dude, when, uh, when I started working for Nam, I was fit. Like I look at pictures then I'm like, dude, but that credit card they gave me, man, where they told me wine and dine church planners. Um, I was like Santa Claus. I was a Santa Claus at church planners, man. I could take them out eating and um, wine and dine them and, you know, hey, boys, Nam's paying, you know, get the prime rib. No, you couldn't do that. But, um, but dude, I put on so much weight just working for them and then travel and travel mm-hmm. just jacks you up when you're trying to. But anyways, I mean, really, there's no excuse. Guys, guys travel all the time and stay fit. I mean, The Rock, you know, he carries a gym around the world with him, doesn't he? Does he? So uh, he Wouldn't does. Surprise me. Yeah, no, he actually does. He has it shipped all over the world, and I think he's got a couple different mobile gyms that he takes. But you know, what's when it's important to you, you do it. But anyways, um, the other day I was telling Andrew, I was like, because I've been doing Shanti for almost three weeks, and I was getting bummed. Like, man, I did this two weeks, you know. And she's like, Well, think, babe, how many years has it been? You've been packing the weight on. I'm like three. She's like, Well, there you go. Right. And you're not even at three weeks yet. So I needed that pep talk. Interesting. Interesting. Have you been losing weight doing the Shanti stuff? I'm looking better. Yeah. This is third week and I'm looking better. I mean, he, he does kick the crap out of you though. Every time I slide that little disc into my Xbox, I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to do this, but I'm doing it and I feel better. Uh, Two weeks in, I was feeling, I noticed the difference in how I was thinking and feeling. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause you know, my diet's not that bad. Um, it's just, I, I think the biggest downfall for me was just being sedentary, you know, and a little, little beer. 
But, you know, like I said, I, I don't drink. I've never been a big drinker. Uh, one or two a week, maybe. But still, you know, like I was yeah. telling you, I'm a little dude. It, it doesn't, doesn't have many places to go, right? But right. if you're sedentary on top of that, um, I mean, I primarily between eggs and fish, don't eat a lot of red meat, don't eat a lot of pork, don't eat a lot of chicken. You know, I, I, I'm almost Piscatarian, you know, except for the eggs. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really Episcopalian. I don't know much about their denomination. I'm a confirmed Episcopalian. Are you? I actually am. Nice. I always forget to throw that in there. That what? I, yeah, dude. When, when I first got saved, I went to an Episcopal church. It was the easiest church for me to get to. And their liberals all get out. But oh, I got no. confirmed that, yeah, like Bishop came on his throne and everything and had to, you know, like put his hand on my head. So dude, I remember the I'm first particularly time. particularly blessed. I remember the first time I went to Jamie's church uh, for communion. Now, she grew up Lutheran. And so the way that they did communion is uh, each row would go up to the front and, you know, basically all of us would be in a line. I can't, I think we were kneeling and then the, uh, the pastor would come by and you'd have your, your hands cupped and he'd come by and he'd put yeah. a little wafer, you know, yeah. and then they come by and they'd give you, and I guess, I don't know if it was the outside was wine and the inside was grape juice or the inside was wine and the outside was grape juice. I don't remember, but I remember was like asking Jamie, I'll go, which one's the wine? Which one? I've never had wine for <laughs> communion. You tell me which one it is. Cause that's the one I'm taking. And I mean, it was not good wine. I can tell you that. And I still remember the first time, like I'm like looking at everyone else. Okay. Everyone's got their hands. And the guy's like, are you a believer in Jesus? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well then open your hands. I'm like, Oh, sorry. Didn't know. Open. Here's my hands. Open. Here's my hands open. Oh, you're bringing back nightmares. So uh, not only have I been in, in a whole host of denominations, but uh, when, when you go to Wales, right, or Britain, this is the same in, in anywhere in Great Britain, um, wine, they won't do because of temperance movement, right? Um, grape juice is expensive, or it used to be. You know, remember I was there like almost 10 years ago now. Um, so it was really expensive. And then, um, so you had this thing called squash, which is you buy your juice and concentrate and you add water to it. You make a pitcher of it and you undilute it or you dilute it. Sorry. It comes in an undiluted form. So it's called squash. Well, they have this one called Ribena and it's made from black currants. I will never forget drinking communion and getting Ribena in my mouth and being like, oh my gosh. Well, what? Like it was the most horrific taste, just broke communion, right? Which Jesus did not take uh, the fruit of the, the black currant and say, do this and remember. So it was a grape, right? It was wine. And uh, so that was, uh, that was a wake That was a cold, cold bath of water thrown over mm. my head during communion. Ribena. You never want to have, I'll bring you some back this next time. Thank you. Cause that just sounds pleasant. I want you to experience the hell that oh. is Ribena in communion. Yeah, yeah. Because I care. And I appreciate that. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So, anyway, ready to get into this week's topic? Yeah. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Okay. I, 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 I'm changing it. Can I change it? I thought you were going to add in, uh, let's get down to the need to go. No, 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 no. Listen, this is my new one. Okay. I'm here to kick butt talking about church planning and chew bubble gum. Well. I'm fresh out of bubble gum. Eh, we'll work on it. All right. I had to put the kick butt part in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you know that, right? They live. You remember that? 
Is that what it's from? Yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. yeah. I'm here to kick butt and chew bubble gum. Well, I'm fresh out of bubble gum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was such a great movie. And they that line out. was the best. That was the best thing I'd ever heard at that point. When Dude, that line all came. I know is your, your Facebook this morning. Okay. What's your top favorite, favorite <laughs> Westerns? Oh, I want to talk to you about that. And I'm looking at that. And I'm like, Okay, outside of Tombstone, I honestly can't think of any Western that I am like, ooh, I got to see. Like, Dances with Wolves, don't want to see it again. Uh, Most of those movies, like, I was looking at everyone's suggestions, and I was like, I don't know. So, the only thing I could, like, I was like, okay, mine was Tombstone, number one. Uh, Die Hard, you know, because he says yippee ki yay yippee ki yeah. So, that's that's Western. Yeah. And then I'm like, uh, Star Wars, well, that's a space Western. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And then I was like, I don't know what else can I put. I'm like, oh, Deadwood, which is a TV show. And then I just made up uh, seasons oh, and you, episodes. Oh, okay, all right. Because right. I was like, so, I, well, no, I it's a great impressed. show. It's a great, it's a great TV show. I have no idea what the seasons and episodes are that you I know. Put people on there. were searching that season. Well, that's the thing is, I was six. like, I bet you anything, it's going to be all about the brothel on those two episodes. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> all these pastors are going to be like, what is Pete into? And well, <laughs> I just was, I don't know. I don't know what I like that is. you put seasons and episodes and I really like that. You just made it up. Yeah. I just had to pick and Facebook. I don't got time for this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's all I could think of, but I've seen I knew you one. were going to be disappointed that I did not put tombstone on there. I actually just thought you forgot. I was like, Oh, he had to have forgotten. I need to watch it again. I, you didn't like see, it. I see this, see, this, this is, is where I come back to it. you and I have two I totally different views. I know, on movies. I know I cringe when I say, cause I know you love it so much, but it didn't take me same with young guns, young guns. Came Let me out put it like this. Like, eh. Obviously I'm into the gun culture. I cannot tell you how many patches they sell that have tombstone quotes on them. Are you serious? I'll be your huckleberry. I mean, yeah. anything you want, right? Like they got a patch for it, you can throw on your your. I'm gonna watch it again. I'm gonna watch hat. it again. I I see. My first experience with Tombstone was I was like 14 years old and I went there. No, it didn't came know out what in it was. It came out in college. No, no, no. I went to oh, the UK oh, Corral. Yeah, I went to the town of Tombstone, and I bought all these books and like you know went through it. Back then, I don't know if it's still that way. They had these like little dummies that were standing in the okay corral and like this old cheesy speaker and be like, throw down your guns. You know, it was a little bit like uh not very farm. You'd be like, I'm not throwing down my gun. And then all of a sudden go, psh, 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 psh. I've been shot, you know, and it was pretty cool, you know? And so you go to the birdcage theater and you get to see that. And then you go to all these different places, the saloon and get a sarsaparilla. And it, it was pretty cool. You know, it was very old timey. It was a little like Biden. You know, the uh, no malarkey tour. There you go. So you do that. I had to, sorry, but you, you do that. And, uh, and then, um, I got all these books and then those movies came out like just one or two years later. And I just read all this crap because you know, I'm a reader. Right. And around the same time, Wyatt Earp comes out. Wyatt Earp was super accurate, like historically. Oh, was it? Yeah. And so th- these two movies came out side by side and when I watched Wyatt Earp, I was like, that's rad. Like it portrayed him as a total jerk, which he was right. And, uh, and, and the other one, it was like almost like the Hollywood eyes, but I needed to just watch tombstone for being a great Western. Cause I, now that I look back and think about it, Silverado is my favorite tombstone seemed a lot like Silverado. 
which is I very much I don't a know, man. I, most of the, I, I'm not a Western guy, so I don't even know what Silverado oh, is. I so am. Open Range, I think, was one of the other ones on the list from somebody. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what these movies are. Dude, in high school, I was into Western. I would watch them in a train. I would watch them on a plane in the rain in a box with a fox. I was so into Westerns. That's all I watched. Mm. I watched, you know, uh, uh, all of the shows, Lost Valley, Bonanza. I mean, you name it. If it was a Western, you know, High Chaparral, I watched all that crap. Nice. I'd get the old uh, Cisco kid videos. Hey, Cisco. Hey, Pancho. You know, all that. Dude, I was so into it. So, anyways. Anyways. I dig it. So uh, the topic. Uh, great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. <laughs> Let's get down to the nitty gritty. All right, now we can really start. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Who's starting it? Me? You. Okay. So today we're going to talk about uh, business as mission. What? Yeah, you know, and this is this has come up a, a lot, a lot. So obviously, I do a lot of training of pastors to be bivocational, showing them uh, different strategies that they can use to uh, make money, which allows them more time freedom so they can, you know, work on their church, be with their family, not have to give up one or the other. And um, so one, one of the things... A good buddy of mine, Dave Negri, uh, if those of you that heard the podcast that I did a few weeks back where we took our contractor secret weapon, we played it here on Church Planner Podcast, that's Dave Negri. So Dave Negri is uh, an elder at his church in Florida, and he and I have been friends, and he's been a client of mine, I don't know, man, maybe seven years or so, so I've known him for a long time. He's been in my mastermind group for forever, um, good friend. So he and I are doing some stuff together. And he's really felt God tugging on him to, to do kind of twofold. One, to help uh, pastors really understand the role that business owners can have in their church. And not just as a checkbook. Hey, this guy makes some money. He can write his checks. But like how to really understand business and being a Christian and being a business Christian owner mm. and how you treat the employees and how you reach the community and, and really how you can uh, treat any business as your ministry. Yeah. And, uh, and that's really what his, his calling has been in it. Can, it I, kinda, can, I, can I interrupt you real please? quick and Go just say that um, this comes up almost every week on this podcast where I'll bring up like, there's a lot of people talking about it that don't have the expertise or the experience, but they're going to talk because pastors are paid talkers. Um, it really gets to me. So I know personally of groups that are starting up where it's a bunch of guys getting together, a bunch of pastors talking about business's mission in a collective, and then they publish a course on it because they got together and talked about it. But none of them is businessmen, right. but they've read books. Um, what I love about what you're saying, and this is this is kind of the caveat, I don't think this is the place for pastors to talk. I think this is where pastors need to shut up and just listen to businessmen now that have found their vocation and calling. They're still called to ministry. Yeah, well, see, here's the, other, the, the part of the problem with that is most business owners don't understand that it can be a calling. Right. And right. that's because of how we treat business as Christians. Right. I mean, uh, you know, look at it like this. 
How many times have our pastors over the years heard that, hey, if you're going to be a pastor, you really got to be full time because, you know, if you're, you know, you got a job on the side, if you got a business on the side, uh, you know, your bivo, you are less than, right? That is how we see pastors in America, specifically uh, the Western world, let's say. Um, and so, as, as a result, boy, I really like that. <laughs> Ooh, that's me. I'm just giving you yummy sounds. I like who you're saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So, um, <laughs> I got to buy you like a wrist rocket for when we do this. So like you can shoot no the birds. Andrea just, when she went to that Navajo reservation over the holidays, you probably don't know, but she, over Thanksgiving break, she went to, took Liberty on a Navajo, uh, uh, mission and, she brought her back a wrist rocket that she got off the reservation. Where is it? How cool is my wife? Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So he, heard um, it. he took off. He's like, Oh, Oh crap. Yes. No, all I'm saying is I think I, I don't, I don't, I don't think business owners understand the freedom that they can have to really be a, a Christian business owner. And that that right. is actually what God, um, has probably called them to. I don't want to say has called. I don't know what God's personal call on them is. Right. Uh, but certainly it's, I mean, the, I, I've been reading this one book and really the, the, my mind has been like blown by looking at how they're like bringing out so many stories in the Bible that I just never considered. You know, I was telling you right before the podcast and you go, Hey, let's do this as the topic. Um, one of the stories they were bringing out, I was like, well, look, right after uh, Jesus' death, what do the uh, the disciples go back and do? And they go back to fishing, right? Which means they had a boat, they had nets, and he goes, like, you can't just all of a sudden, okay, Jesus is dead on the cross. Oh, okay, I'm going to go out and buy a boat today and, right. and some nets. And you don't put that stuff in storage and, like, leave it in storage. They had a family business, and they weren't, active in it as much you know they had employees running it if you will or the rest of the family running it and okay now okay now we're back i mean now we got it they had a business they were able to plug in and out of you know what is what's the first thing jesus do hey you know how's the fishing going oh it's not going good hey throw your net on the other side they throw the net on the other side it's so full they never had such a catch before right you know what's the first thing that jesus does is he blesses them in business right because they're not going to just eat that all. They're going to turn and then has them leave it. it. What's that? <laughs> it's just, and then has them leave it. Well, but I'm talking about, well, yes and no, right? Yeah. They probably yeah. still needed the business to support stupid. them. Yeah. yeah. To support them in ministry. And I mean, Paul, I mean, obviously we already know he was a tent maker. We know that he trained others or at least worked with others who were uh, tent makers as well. I mean, they had a business. And well, you so. Know, just to, to, to kind of add to that, um, yes. I mean, Paul, you know, he, he, I mean, Acts chapter 9 tells us that immediately after he was converted and healed in his eyesight, that he goes to, um, into the synagogue and preaches Christ. Like, he doesn't waste any time. He's now, you know, he was wealthy because his family were... Um, if you go back and look, his family had to be wealthy merchants to be able to afford. So they were tent makers. That was his, uh, that was his family business. 
So that's what he did. So as he spent three years in Syria, Arabia, and um, goes back to Tarsus, what's he doing? Well, he can't be a Pharisee anymore, right? Like he, he can't be a Jewish rabbi that just, you know, that, that doesn't, doesn't jive with right. <laughs> preaching Christ. So he goes back to the family business, which incidentally, when he's in Corinth, that's how he meets Priscilla and Aquila. And then he joins with them and works with them. Now, interesting factoid about Priscilla and Aquila was they were extremely wealthy. The way we know that is in Rome, Ephesus, and Corinth, we're told that they have houses. So you didn't own homes back then unless you were filthy rich. How to own a home in Ephesus, Corinth, and Rome, the three richest cities in all of the Roman Empire. Right. So... Um, but what happens is Paul, uh, at times he's living on support, at times he's working with his hands. Um, the, you can't make an argument that Paul only worked with his hands. You can't make an argument that Paul was only on support. He had this, what I call an apostolic agility to go back and forth between them. So when people talk about bivocational, I talk about trivocational just because I want to be cooler than everybody. But Paul had three sources of income, but he was always able to do business as mission. And um, what's more important is that through Priscilla and Aquila, uh, because there's, they have this tent-making empire spanning multiple cities, they would truly be entrepreneurs. They would travel from city to city. They start in Rome. They're exiled by Claudius, go to Corinth because that's the most profitable place to go outside of Rome. They go there. Paul and them hatch this crazy plot. What if we started using this business to fund missionaries, which, by the way, is not the first time. So I'm going to say this and then I'm going to shut up and I'm back back out. But I, I'm throughout history, whenever the gospel spreads, it does it on business. And people haven't, only a few authors that I've read have made this connection, right? Um, so uh, the Moravians, who inspired John Wesley, who John Wesley, by the way, went on to invest in multiple businesses to fund uh, his mission. Um, He had two breweries. uh, He had a printing press. He had all these different things that he ran um, out of the foundry in London that literally, um, you know, caused the gospel to spread. That's how he supported his circuit riders. So, um, but Count Zinzendorf was a wealthy noble. And what he did is he opened up to about 600 people eventually, he opened up uh, his, uh, a part of his estate. Um, he un- owned tons of land. He converted. He opens up his estate. And check this out. In 1732, they sent their first missionary team to the island of St. Thomas, where our buddy uh, Don Overstreet was, right? In the mm. Caribbean. Yeah. Um, in the next 20 years, check this out. So that was in 1732. In the next year, oh, by the way, this this is what he did on on their on his land. They built uh, a village and establishes places of business. There was a guy named Abraham Derninger who was so successful he became an importer of goods. His original business is still there, and it's a global it's a global trader, a very successful, well known brand there today. Derninger's. 
And that was the Moravians. So uh, they funded mission. Check this out. In 1732, they go to St. Thomas. In 1733, they go to Greenland. In 1734, they go to the North American Indian colonies. In 1735, they go to Suriname. In 1736, South Africa. Uh, they go to the Arctic, to the, to the Eskimos in 1737, and the Algiers and Sri Lanka in 1740, China in 1742, Persian 1747, Abyssinian Labrador, I thought that was a dog, 1752. Like that's how crazy, and it was all on the back of mission because Zinzendorf trained them that you have to work with your hands like Paul. Right. It's crazy. We don't think about that way, but look at all they accomplished because they got hold of what you're saying right now. Well, and the other thing too is I think um, there's a lot of there's a lot of people like me who have been in business for you know years, and they have a desire to serve God, and it's almost like, well, what does that mean for me? Does that mean I need to go be a pastor like you know is expected in the American church? Or do I, you know, quit my business and go become a missionary or, you know, but it's like, no, you, I mean, your business can be the mission. Like you will reach more people and the, you know, well, for a business owner, you know, 50 to 60, 70 hours a week that you work, then you will in the hour and a half to two hours you do on Sunday. Right. right? Cause that's, that's the way we see ministry today. We see it as well. We do this Sunday thing in the morning you know, maybe we got a Wednesday night service, um, and somehow we're thinking that you're going to affect and touch more people's lives with two hours on Sunday, maybe two hours on Wednesday, than you will with the 40 to 70 hours a week that you're going to work either in business or um, for a business. Mm. And that's crazy. That's crazy. Right. Think about all the customers you're going to touch if you're a business owner. Yep. Uh I mean, do you think that Paul was like not talking to everyone who bought a tent from him or used him to repair their tent? I mean, hey, you know, if you sit here for a few more minutes, I'll take 50% off. (laughs) Let me finish telling my my story. That would be funny. That would that would actually be kind of funny. But uh, but but my point is, is like we we have, I think, a, a really messed up view of business and specifically money. When it comes to the church, I mean, I think back to our early episodes, Peyton, when we would talk about, um, you know, collect the, the collection plate and how you hated doing the collection plate. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a personal thing, right? Because yeah, stupid, but we have a jacked up view on money in the church. And a lot well, it was, of it, it was Long Beach. It taught me that it was when somebody said, Hey, why are you robbing? Because I'm like, Oh, we got so many poor people. I want to pass a plate. And he goes, so you're going to rob them of the chance to worship God in that way? And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And sure enough, we'd see homeless people, you know, maybe a dollar. A that, was the widows, that was the widow's might for them. And totally. it really touched me, dude. I was like, dang, we don't, they need my money. I don't need their money, you know, but it was how they were worshiping. And, and that gave them dignity too. That Yeah, I'm here. I'm homeless, but I want to worship God too. Yes. Like, oh man, I'm, I'm getting emotional just even thinking about that. And I think a big part of it is because, you know, we look at that, that famous verse, right? And we go, oh, it's uh, money is the root of all evil. No, it's the love <laughs> of money, right? Yes. And yes. we know that intellectually, but still, we've grown up. Which is up. not the love of supporting your family. For those of you guys who are like, I need to make more money. And then you feel guilty for feeling that. 
looking after your family, providing for the needs of your family is a command of scripture. Like, like Paul says, Hey, he who doesn't provide for his family is worse. And that's, Paul's not saying, Hey, if you're having a hard time paying the bills, cause you know, more, more bills are stacking up more, yeah. more, you know, that's not what he's saying. He's saying for those of you not willing to work, he's addressing, but it is, it is a virtuous, godly thing to um, want to work. And that's not, we're not MacArthuring on it, like, oh, you know, the woman's place in the home and the man needs a bride. But a man will feel the responsibility for that just because he's a man. All right. It doesn't mean that women shouldn't work, or yada, yada, but God's wired you that way. You know? What's funny is this week I had a, a pastor reach out to me, a church planner. And, um, and I didn't, I mean, he reached out in an email and a, I, I didn't feel like I had enough information, but I'll, I'll tell you the, the genesis of what I took from his and, and he was looking for some, <laughs> he said he was looking for some wisdom from me. So I think, first of all, he reached out to the wrong person, <laughs> number one. Um, but he's like, Hey, look, man, you know, the church plant is going great. And I find myself having to invest more and more time there. Uh, but I still need to make another 2,500 a month for my family. And I, I just don't have as much time. Uh, you know, to, to invest in my business because of all this stuff with the church. And he's like, Hey, I need some, some wisdom here. You know, what would you suggest? What what are your thoughts? And again, I didn't feel like I had the whole story. So I just had to go with what I read and what my takeaway from it was. And I go, look, I'm going to be honest with you here. I'm going to tell you that the first thing God has called you to is your family, not to the church. It is to your family first. And if you need to make an extra 2500 and you're saying, I don't have enough time, I'm going to be blunt here. Maybe you need to take less time with your church and spend more time doing whatever it is you got to do, <clears throat> whether it's getting a job, whether it's you know improving your business, whether it's getting another client, because you got to take care of your family first. That's your first priority. And that's like, I mean, you're not supposed to say that kind of stuff, but I'm just like, dude, that's your first priority. That's yeah, got to be is. number one. And then let the church stuff take care of itself. That's right. God, you know. Bring other people to you to help, you know, with, with your burden that you're taking on for the church. Well, here's the thing, too, is that, you know, Paul said, I wish you guys could be like I was, where you didn't have to please uh, a spouse or whatever. But here's, here's the thing. Most of you aren't. And Paul knew that. He said, I wish most of you were like me, you know, because Paul could work. Like he says, he says, I worked when I was among you, the Thessalonians. I worked day and night. Um, to be an example of how you should work with your hands and yada, yada. So, and of course he's writing that to them again. People are like, Oh, see you only No, he's writing to them because they were just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back. And he's like, look, don't do that. I showed you we're waiting for Jesus to come back, but you need to be busy. And, and so, but when, when you look at the whole idea of providing for your family, um, you've got, you've got to think to yourself, um, it is a bad example. It's the opposite of what Paul's saying. It's a bad example if you can't, if you're if you're pouring into the church and your family suffering, how are you modeling to the church what they should do in their own home? So then when you go into the counseling appointment where the wife says, you know, he's out till two in the morning, you know, he says he's at the office working late, I think he's having an affair, and he's like, I'm trying to put food on the table. How do you counsel him? Right? Because you are sacrificing your own family. Right. You, and and for those of you that um, are are still trying to do ministry, and y- you're not doing the APEST or the team 
Or maybe you just read Church Zero Cha-Ching or some other book and you're like, oh, I totally believe in it, but you haven't done it. You're insane. Like I, I keep reading about um, these posts on, on social media about, uh, you know, I, I'm worn out or where it goes, hey, welcome to the show's Baby Yoda. I'm going to plant a church. And then um, I know that's funny to people. To me, I'm like, you, you poor saps, you know, like if, if ministry just sucking the life out of you, then w- you're not doing it right. Like Paul had it rough. Like, like there's nothing in ministry It's Hugh Halter makes a statement Bible. He says, you know, there's nothing that in ministry that, uh, you can't do in your spare time that guys are paid $90,000 for to do full time. There's nothing like making sermons for an hour a week, like, to, to present a sermon for an hour in a week, uh, you're going to study 40 hours for that. The best preachers I know don't study 40 hours for a sermon. Um, and, and these are guys that were trained by Louis Jones. My mentor was trained by, I don't spend 40 hours a week for uh, on a sermon. So the idea is go to team ministry, rotate in and out of the pulpit, give more time. If you're not a shepherd and you're apostolic, then let someone else do all the counseling. Let the shepherd do that. Um, these are just all no-brainers. It's Ministry Basics 101, but nobody trains people to understand that, you know? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I just, I think there's a, I think there is a, I think one, we're not, we're not training uh, our congregation, our business owners in the church to think properly about their business. Um, I think, uh, as, as ministers, we need to see the other opportunities. You know, I get that everyone wants a full-time gig as a pastor. I get it. Right. Who doesn't want to just do what they love and get paid for it. And if God calls you to that sweet, awesome, do it, do whatever God's called you to. But I think we're just like we got this young guy at our church. He's he's uh, our new worship uh, minister. You know, his his first week there. He's a Biola student, and you know, he's like, hey, you know, my my goal is as soon as I graduate, I want to get into a full time position at a church, and blah blah blah. And you know, I'm thinking because of everything you and I do, I'm like, oh man, if I get to know you, I'm going to break you of that desire. Right? <laughs> like, right. I don't want you to be full time ministry. I, I mean, I don't want you to be full time ministry as far as American view of full time ministry. I want you full-time ministry, but I want you in the marketplace, right. you out there talking to people. And by the way, I happen to be at this church on Sunday. You can see me there as well, but you know, this is where I am the rest of the week. And I, I right. that's what I really want people to do is to connect with people everywhere they go, everything they do. And that means right. being in a different place than just the church. You know? Yeah, I do. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, when you, when you really start to, to look at um, what people want to do <clears throat> ministry-wise, like I was saying earlier, like the stuff that, that Paul did, we would, we would need to learn to start doing the kind of ministry Paul was doing. So Paul was, you know, like I said, like he talks about getting beat up. He talks about um, being whipped, being persecuted, being a prisoner, being this. And that we have set the bar so incredibly low to just want to be paid full time 
And I don't get that somehow ministry got equated with having a paycheck. If that's what you equate ministry with, that it's just another vocation. I mean, Spurgeon just rips that a new one. But for him, he Spurgeon was arguing against in British society. It was um, in lectures of my students. He talks about this on calling, and but what he attacks is back then it was considered a very noble profession, and you gain like if you're ever watching. I know you don't, but if you ever seen any of those Jane Austen things. It's always a minister who comes in, you know, who he's one of the the suitors because that was considered a desirable station in life. And Spurgeon's like, you're in it for that. Well, today I would switch around and say, if you're in it for a paycheck, like you're in it for the wrong reason. If ministry is not something you would do unpaid, you're not called to it. Mm. You're just not called to it. And, and I'm, I'm not, and, and I meet guys in church planning all the time to where if it doesn't pay them, they won't do it. And I just, I don't understand that because as an apostolic guy, I've been bivocational 17 years. This is why when bivocationalism gets um, traction um, and people want to talk about it, um, when they've never been bivocational, it's why get upset? Because I think I've spent 17 years in bivocational ministry and because it's trendy, you want to pop off like an authority on it? No. Talk to the people that have been bivocational. And, and we'll tell you what, what the benefits are. You know, like, like you don't marry your, you and I have talked about this, you don't marry your church's finances to the church. The church may be successful, but you're not. Like, in other words, your personal finances failed. Like the number of guys that go, oh, the church plant failed, and they fold it up because it stops paying. And that's just ludicrous to me. The church was doing great. It was progressing like a normal church plant should, but you folded up shop because it couldn't pay you. Like, that's bonkers. Right. Like, can you imagine Paul, like, looking at that going, you hireling. And I know this is coming off as harsh, but, you know, um, get a team, get skills that pay the bills, because that's how Paul trained his dudes. That's what I was saying with Priscilla and Aquila. There are 32 other people that Paul uses Priscilla and Aquila to train them in, in this skill, this secular business skill, because they're entrepreneurs. It would be like if you had a real estate agent firm and you just started taking all these people that, that you knew were gifted and you started training them in real estate. Right now I'm getting ready to uh, start up like a church planning network um, local hub, I guess you would call it in San Diego. As soon as the textbook is free. Hey, hey by the way, I, I think your mic is keeps hitting your shirt. Oh, sorry. A lot of I know I'm, there. I'm all, I'm all like reclining on the throne here. So, uh, not that throne, but, um, yeah, I had my, my, my leg over the armrest and I was tilted. So, but you were comfortable and that's what's, important. I was really comfortable. I was, I was cruising in style there on this podcast, yeah. but you know, Priscilla, I'm, I'm serving with a guy named Bo, Bo Moffitt, and he's going back to get his real estate license right now because nice. he's tired of being poor, but he knows he's running back at a church plant. We're going to be tag team and stuff together. And he's like, Peyton, he, he gets it. I mean, he's, he's basically been doing all these videos and training with me for years. So he's a guy on the other side of the camera. I didn't sit down and say, Bo, this is what you need to do. But he's listening to me talk so much about this stuff that he just, he's like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going. And he'll tell you, he'll tell you after being with me for a number of years, he's like, it's the stuff we do out there 
because when I do the field training and stuff, we just ran field training in September um, for planners. And he's like, dude, I never feel more alive than when I'm doing that stuff. And I can do that stuff. Not, not the sermon prep, not leading worship, not doing any of that. He goes, it's being out there in the community, sharing Jesus. He's like, that, that's what I want to do. And I can do that. Anyone can do that. So if you're yeah. doing ministry and church planning right, you're not the only one doing ministry. Everybody around you, everyone on your church planning team is doing ministry. And when Paul said, I served as an example, Paul served an example of what it was like to either run a business or be a businessman or be in the business world and minister, because that's the goal for every believer. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's crazy when I think about our whole view of it and how we've let this, this happen. I mean, I can't tell you how many Facebook ads I've run and I think it's shameful when pastors aren't full time because their church can't afford. I mean, I'm like, dude, I get it. If God calls you to be in full time, then do that, do whatever God's called you to. But man, they're going to reach more unsaved, unchurched, uh, people who don't know Jesus outside of their building than they ever will inside the building. That's just the that's reality what, of it. That's what my mentor, Peter Jeffrey, which, by the way, if you haven't um, listened to Ministry Ninja the last two weeks, it's been my preaching mentor, Peter Jeffrey, who was discipled by Lloyd-Jones, who then mentored me. Um, that guy, uh, that's where I got that quote from years ago, where he used to say, you'll reach more people He'd say this to his congregation, you'll reach more people by Monday lunch than I will in an entire week. Yeah. And, and that always stuck with me, you know? Um, but what insight, what humility to realize about yourself as a preacher that you truly are just a mobilizer of others. So, um, so I think Pete, what you're talking about, this is like the future of the church. And you brought up a really good point. We were talking before today. Um, before we started recording, you mentioned that, you know, the disciples kept their boats yeah. during the, you know, before the resurrection, they're back fishing. So and obviously it was their family business, but yeah, man, they, they literally, they kept all their gear, you know, and, uh, and they could schlep that at any time and make a living on the shores well, of Galilee. Think about it too. The, the mindset wasn't, oh, well, you know, shoot, uh, I'm going to set up this building, this location over here, and uh, we're going to pass the plate, and that's how I'm going to get my income. Like, that, I don't know when that started happening, but that was not Jesus' not model. No. That was not Jesus' model. Not that there's a problem with that. I'm not saying passing the plate and taking an income. I'm not saying that at all, but that was not the model. Right. So, you know, our tagline on this show since the beginning has been, if you want to reach the ones that no one's reaching, you got to go where no one's going and do what no one's doing. Well, what's no one doing? Well, unfortunately, in the Western world, uh, different than other parts of the world, right? But in the Western world, you want to do what no one's doing? That means you got to go into business and not maybe right. your own business. Go work for someone. Go get a job like Paul Percy is that smart and final known as Produce Paul. Um, we got oh, Charlie he graduated Marquez. Poultry, Paul. Poultry? Oh, is he in yeah, the chicken department now? Yeah, he, he went meat. up to the meat department. Nice. So he, poultry now he's, now he's in management there. So. What? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, you got Charlie Marquez who works uh, doing a lot of logistics and plant stuff. And I don't even know. He's like a plant manager. I mean, they are reaching more people, unchurched, unchristian people who don't know Jesus every day than I certainly do sitting here in my home 
right? Because this is what I do. I sit in my home, but um, uh, then most pastors do, right? Because right. most pastors, you know, I go to the church. I got to get in there early. You know, like you yep. used to say when you first started, you know, you'd be, oh, I'm in my books. You know, I'm here at the church. I'm in my books. I'm reading. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing good. And, you know, who are you going to talk to today? I think that's what you said your pastor yeah. would say to you. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't remember that, and he feels bad about it. I'm like, are you kidding? That was like the Holy Spirit. That was like the best thing you could have ever said to me. Yeah. You know, you're just going to read read more books today, you know? So I would encourage you guys uh, to think about that, man. I mean, absolutely think about it. So I'm, I'm going to give myself a shameless plug here. I'm going to do um, a series of, of podcasts here on the show talking to either people uh, in the business world who are in ministry, uh, pastors, uh, just Christians who are in ministry. I'm not opposed to bringing some of those guys in because I, I want to share some of these concepts with you. Obviously, I work with pastors uh, who want to go the consulting route. Um, there's a, always a link in the show notes. I think it's bivowebinar.com. If you guys want to see any of that stuff, um, go ahead and check that out. But um, but I you know I would encourage you guys to uh, to really seriously think about that. We got 2020 coming up, new year, new everything. Maybe now's the time. Maybe now's the time to to do something like that, to to be different in ministry, if you will, mm-hmm. and and reach more people in a business. And at the same time, maybe it's not for you, right? Do what God's called you to, but just don't negate this as an option. Because I think God would would take pleasure in in people doing that and and being good Christian people, uh, creating value for employees, creating value for clients. Yeah treating people fairly, showing people, here's how you can be a God-fearing person in business. Yep. This is what it means to be a, a Christian in business. It's a ripe field too. I mean, you know, people are out there like, if you're not interacting with people, back when I was planting, if I remember one year when I wasn't bivocational, where I got my um, my my cultural awareness was like when I was going to the dentist, like I had to be around people like not just that. I mean, anywhere where I was doing business as a consumer, that's where I was getting all my, 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 uh, my vision. You know, I was having these conversations with the dental hygienist who's like, Hey, what do you think about that Mayan calendar? Or, you know, whatever it was like, if you're not out there around people, you really don't. And that's one of the benefits. I know we're, we're over time, but one of the benefits of being Vivo is when you get to preach, my topic today was going to be on how to preach in a way that's relevant because I'm so tired of people preaching irrelevantly Hmm. um, to people like where it, it is, it's a theological exercise Instead of this is life and death, I have you for one hour. Some of you are struggling with addiction. You're trying not to call another call girl in, or you're, you know, like you're trying to get off heroin, or you know, you, you can't stop hitting your children. Like these are the things you deal with, and you guys know in ministry, you're dealing with the under. Is you're like a cop, you're dealing with the underbelly of life all the time. If your church is truly seeing transformation. Uh, rather than Pharisees and wearing masks, you're seeing everything come off. You're getting into the abuse. You're getting into the the nitty gritty. And when you're doing that, um, you, I don't remember where I was going with that, but um, yeah, I don't know why I started bringing that up. But oh, you were just bringing up what your topic was going to be versus yeah, yeah, was. like 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 you're you're literally you're having to preach to. It's almost like CPR on Sunday, and if you're not approaching Sundays like that. 
then, then you're blowing it. Well, when you're Bravo, you know that because you're out there you're talking to your colleagues at work. You're hearing what's going on in their lives. You know it's CPR. You know it. your people in your church are going through the same stinking stuff. They're just better at hiding it, right? So uh, one of the, and I hit on so many of the benefits of Bibo just naturally, but you know, I'm working on a textbook on all this stuff. So uh, the fourth point I bring up in benefits of Bible, we'll close out on this. It's just something that we didn't cover is when you are Bivo, think of it, a guy like me, um, I plan a church. It can pay me now and it's time to go. Cause I got a three year shelf life maximum, right? right? It's what five um, Q with Alan Hirsch, they call missionary cycles or mission cycles. Paul never stays longer than three. If you're apostolic, you got to move. Well, how are you going to do that? If you don't got skills to pay the bills, right? Mission actually gets stifled because you can't move on. So, wow, that guy hated you. He, he literally did. waited till right behind you. Yeah. And laid on so, the horn. and that like Mr. Rogers trolley, that's the signal. It's time to uh, leave make believe land. And uh, guys, one last thing. Um, if you don't uh, check out the uh, Ministry Ninja YouTube channel, the church planning fairy will not bring you goodies as you sleep at night. So make sure you head on over there. And uh, that's Ministry Ninja. It's my YouTube channel. Uh, this week, we talked about how to prioritize your budget. Um, how, do you, how do you know when you're budgeting your church finances? One of the things that you ought to know is when you're Bible, you can also put more money uh, towards the mission of the church rather than your salary, which is very exciting uh, when you're church planning, that that money goes towards actually being on mission uh, rather than just trying to cover your nut and you're sucking up you know, 100% because it's only covering 60% of what you need. So uh, be sure to check that out. And uh, lastly, Pete, with all this uh, Bible hustle, um, how are they going to find time to do the church finances? Well, it's a great thing that you asked that uh, that you'd head on over to simplifychurch.com. You talk to Josh Henry and he's going to help you out with workers comp, uh, doing your year-end tax statements for everyone, uh, accounting, all of that. Uh, Yeah, simplifychurch.com. That's how you do it, Peyton. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us today. Sorry we went a bit over. Uh, We're not sorry. But anyways, uh, go ahead and um, leave us a good review, yada, 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 all that fun stuff. And uh, share us out if you found this helpful. And uh, in the meantime, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music